The Samson Barbecue Grill is the official grill of backyard fun for you and your mosquitoes. Whether you're grilling for one or feeding the whole brood of mosquitoes, our durable and portable grills are perfect for patios, backyards, and engorged mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin the moment. Orkin, home is where the bugs aren't. Visit orkin.com to learn more. Hi, it's Tony Bruschi from Real Ghost Stories Online, inviting you to subscribe to our other podcast called The Grave Talks. It's where I sit down and interview individuals who've had extreme paranormal situations happen to them in their lives. Just search The Grave Talks on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Be sure to press subscribe and give us some stars to help spread the word that this show exists. Now, here's a 15-minute preview of The Grave Talks. Today on The Grave Talks, the haunted St. Vincent Academy. What exactly went on behind the walls of the former St. Vincent Academy, a Catholic orphanage in western Kentucky? What still lurks behind those very walls today? On today's episode of The Grave Talks, we talk with paranormal investigator Stephen Asher about his time investigating St. Vincent Academy and the community that stands around it. A community that's filled with kind, honest, down-to-earth people who've been experiencing heavy paranormal activity for generations. Why is it that this area is such a hotbed of paranormal situations? Who are the souls that still linger day in and day out, and what do they want? There's much more to the activity in this area beyond just St. Vincent Academy. Well, the thing about uh, St. Vincent's is, it, well... Again, a quick preface. Yeah. Um, each book of the Hauntings of series, uh, as far back as Hauntings of the West, of the uh, Kentucky State Penitentiary and Hauntings of the Western Lunatic Asylum, each one came at it from a different angle and had different elements, as well as the uh, Hauntings of the St. Vincent's Academy. What sort of set St. Vincent's Academy apart from the uh, the previous two is that this uh, this area was a settled and I believe it was 1812, and the St. Vincent's Academy come around shortly thereafter, officially, I believe, in 1820. And uh, at this time, it was still pretty much frontier. Um, Kentucky, people think of Kentucky, uh, you know, horse racing, bourbon, uh, trailer parks, and, like, uh, people on cops. But <laughs> back in the day, it was a wild and woolly place, you know, still, and... Um, most people didn't go there. A lot of the Native Americans uh, used it as hunting grounds. It was sacred, but it was also – it was like you you know, you know, respect it, but you also fear it because you know, of supposed spirits and things and just a strange land where strange things happened. And um, the thing about – again, about the book, uh, St. Vincent's Academy, the hauntings of it, um, is that the people who settled there were the sisters, uh, Sisters of Mercy of Nazarene and – they uh, really was the lifeblood of of the community and and um, that really took root and so there was you know St. Anne's Church there was St. Vincent's Academy there was Higgins Learning Center there's just a multitude of different things in 
the town it's from and, and around the town it's from, which is Morganfield, Kentucky, and which is in Union County, which is uh, north northwestern Kentucky. And this tied in with just, you know, di- different locations because there was so much going on there. Sure. Um, that was one of the big reasons I decided to do that was because, you know, you would have hauntings and you'd also have you know haunting type legends or strange type uh folklore and then you would have the Hart brothers uh, which was actually america's first serial killers uh now they, they weren't american by birth they were actually scottish mercenaries uh sent by the crown to terrorize um the union or the uh, the colonial uh, um homesteads that were not you know, doing what the crown liked, and they would go there, and they were allowed to basically kind of have card card blanche, and they could go and rob people, they could attack people, they could kill people, they they had rape gangs. You know, I mean, it's a bad bunch of boys when you literally have a, a group just to, just there for demoralization and you know, raping of of uh, women. Sure. And um, so yeah, I mean, it was so much so much was tied into it that I had to include it all because I I don't feel that I would have really gave the area. It's credit, which is a beautiful area. It's, uh, you know, a lot of it's very rustic. And by doing, having it in sort of a rustic area, a lot of times things don't necessarily change a whole lot. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's changed since the 1820s. But, you know, a lot of the old folklore and a lot of some of that true grit of the people were still there. And that's what I found so fascinating is that when I started talking to people and they kind of learned of my other books and some of them actually knew of it, which was really humbling. Um, they see how, how I approach writing, how I approach storytelling, how I, I approach research and I always try to do it again in, in a very respectful manner. And I'm not trying to exploit anything. I'm just, sometimes the story is so good. Um, but it's a thing, you know, obviously you want to be respectful mm-hmm. and always uh, present it in a, as a, neutral a light as possible you know I, I try not to cast judgment other than you know you rape gangs aren't good kids let's, let's just say that sure when you were there and you were doing some research and you were talking to the folks was there any hesitation for them to like come out of their shell a little bit to talk about uh some of the history and in some of i mean it's obviously not not that bright of a history when you have some of those things in your community uh, that, that that are there, that are just facts. But, you know, sometimes when it is the past, it's, you know, kind of hush-hush. We don't talk about that. That's a sad part. You know, was it difficult to get some of this out? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that drew me to want to interview or do interviews and speak with people was that, um, and I always have to be careful not to use actual names. Uh, I'd spoken to a lady that I'm calling Tanya, who had worked um, in, and, in and with the facility. Let's just say it like that. Mm-hmm. And her husband had worked with me in regards of uh, back when I was a guard years ago. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so this is where I started getting stories. And a lot of the stories came from Higgins Learning Center. And in this book, it actually has a chapter where we went through. We had, you know, all of our gear. We set up. We did, you know, EVP work, you know, uh, all that different stuff. And we had some different things that happened and uh door slamming whatnot you're hearing you know yells and screams out of just out of nowhere there's no one in the building there's no animals there's no houses closed and so we went home and i checked on especially like evps that i didn't even hear checked on photos where it showed what appeared to be you know children in the hall or, or looking out from under a medical cart 
uh, a little boy named Ryan, uh, we were taking photos in a hallway and it got, it was very dark, you know, and even with, you know, having our own lights with us, it seemed like something was obscuring the light. And so I worked on the pictures and tried to enhance a little bit and pull out details. And in that shadow, you could see kind of an outline of a face with two very bright eyes under a medical card. And I was like, that is really strange. And um, I spoke to Tanya again and I was like, take a look at this and tell you what, tell you, tell me what you see. And she kind of, she's like, that's, that's insane. And I'm like, okay, wh what are you seeing? I don't want to put anything in your head. She says, I, I see the eyes of a little, it looks like a little boy and says, I know who that little boy was. And I'm like, okay. He said, well, there, we had a special needs kid. Uh, we'll call him Ryan. Mm -hmm. And he would always like to, um, you know, just like a small child would, you know, they cover their eyes. Okay. You can't see me, you know, very simple. And he would get under the medical carts, uh, when they would do rounds and then he would kind of jump out, boo, you know, uh, he was probably in his teens, but he was like a small child mentally. And apparently he had passed away on site. And this had been some years back, but they had uh, mentioned hearing and having different experiences on that particular hall that he died. And that was the hall he died on. And another thing that we heard about was the sounds of children moving around. Uh, we had the reports of a shadow, like a shadow person of a nun. And um, I'll tell you real quick about the sounds the, uh, of children walking. We had a few members who smoked. So we were going in, in and out one door. Everything else was secure. We went out front, left force recorders on the floor at certain strategic points because it was sort of in a T shape. It was a main hall and two connecting halls, one for the boys, one for the girls. Well, we had a, in the commons area, we set up you know, X amount of voice recorders. And we started hearing like a, a slap, slap or a clop, clop, you know, almost like a barefoot sound on concrete. You know how it is. The kids are running around the pool or summertime out on the sidewalk. Sure. And it got, it was like kind of a Doppler effect. Or a Doppler effect. It would be like clop, 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 real loud. And then it goes clop, clop, as it was passing it. And we kept playing it back and, and it, and I was trying to mimic what was going to make that sound? And it sounds just like a kid, like, um, say they're riding a broom or a mop and acting like it was a horsey. <laughs> and so, again, and it was so funny because we didn't hear this at the time. And so I contacted Tanya again and I said, listen to this. I will tell you it sounds like someone walking or more so than walking. And so just listen to it. And then they listened to it and they said, and they mentioned a, a girl's name and, um, I said, what? What does that mean? He says, we had a girl here. She was older. She was in her 40s who would gallop around. She would prance, almost like a little pony playing. You know, I mean, she didn't think she was a pony. But, I mean, she just, that was how she entertained herself. Mm -hmm. And she would get going from one end of the hall, man, all the way down to the other end of the hall and turn right back around. And just, that's how she would spend her time. When she got to, you know, be out of her room and have exercise, she loved to prance about and do that. And come to find out she, uh, she also had died. I'm not. I'm not thinking on site, but it was not long after she left. So I don't know if that means maybe a remnant or some part of her energy is there. Yeah. Because again, I never say this is a ghost. This isn't a whatever. I just report what people say and the sort of energy and stuff that I see or encounter. Um, but yeah, yeah. Higgins had a large part to do with me writing this book because uh, it wasn't until after that. And like I said, again, talking about, there was a shadow figure of a nun 
where there had been a <clears throat> there had been a nun early on, back in the early part of the school when they would use like oil, and like oil heaters, and the woman was in I guess still in her habit, you know, the long, um, like they said in the Blues Brothers, the penguin outfit. <laughs> sure, I, I mean it with all due respect. That's the only yeah. that's the only reference I can throw. I, I remember and, seeing um, them dressed like that as a child. So yes. Okay, well there you go. And like I said again, I uh, actually one of our our team members, uh, Ricky. He he was Catholic, and he he gave me a blessed cross. And I'm you know I'm friends of the Catholics, man. I have no problem with those guys. So please know that. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, so um, this nun was trying to fill this up. They had had something going on. I think it was winter, obviously, and something happened. Either snow was pushing in a part of a roof, or they had to clear something, and they just did not get back in time to fill. The oil look well of course it had just ran out well this thing was hot and instead of waiting an hour or whatever to give it time to cool down because the kids were very cold this is back when the children were there mm-hmm. they she went ahead and tried to put the oil in well if anybody's ever used a jenny or you know that's the first thing you know oh no no give it let it cool off you're gonna you may have a flashback mm-hmm. or a, a like a you know it ignite the, the gases anyway unfortunately that's what happened and it startled the lady. She kind of stepped back. She spilled some on her habit, and whoosh, she, you know, she went up. Um, the uh, other nuns were able to put it out, but as I understand, she suffered such horrendous injur- injuries that she ended up passing. Well, that in itself is a is a horrible thing. And but then, some years later, uh, you know, there there was a, a sort of a legend, or a you know, you had to kind of take it as legend because up until then, no one had really in the modern era I'd seen it that they would see a shadow of a nun and well there was a couple people who had seen this image and this shape because it, it wasn't it wasn't like it moved across the wall it was like a semi-solid black form that's why I call it a shadow it didn't look like it had eyes or anything like that. it was just this large black form and if it notices if it realizes that you see it or if you move toward it it would go from the upstairs which is where the the room was at down the stairs like rapidly it like doesn't even look like it's walking and it would just just go and before we even started this tanya told me she said look i'm gonna tell you something and i'm not clowning with you i'm dead serious i'm like okay what you know she said if you see an image especially like a shadow which looks like a nun or a whatever if you, see, if you see a shadow don't take after it i'm like okay cool what, what's up? And uh, she said, well, we've had two people do that in the last, I think it was 10 or 10 or 12 years. Both One was an engineer and another was one of the, uh, I guess, teachers or overseers. Both had met with some unusual death within six months at the time. And I'm like, oh, come on. She says, no, seriously. I mean, I'm just telling you, do not do this because they kind of knew us. And I'm like, Okay, but which I spoke to other people after, even after that, kind of said, you know, do you know anything about it? And they said, well, that was what the legend was. And yeah, we we knew of so and so, supposedly it passed. So um, I've never dealt. I'm not one for dealing with curses and stuff, you know, because I'm like, come on, it's a Scooby Doo. But apparently, there was something, something dark there that didn't want to be messed with. And um, I'm sure it was not a nun. I'm sure it was something that was, you know, assuming the form as sure. it were. And um, but like I said again, that's that's the sort of weird stuff that drew me to it because, you know, after we did that investigation and then I dug into more learning about the Hart brother, uh, people, you know, the, the murderers. Because what happened was, I'll tell you this, um, they took these men because they were like 
raping, pillaging people. They were highwaymen. They would take the body, stuff them full of rocks and dirt, throw them out into the Wabash River. I hope you enjoyed your 15-minute preview of our new podcast, The Grave Talks. Be sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts to not miss any episode of the show. New episodes every single Monday. Just search for The Grave Talks and then press subscribe. Give us a review while you're at it and some stars that will help us grow in the rankings and let other folks know that the show exists to make an even better show for you. The Grave Talks. Check it out at thegravetalks.com. Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics Find your new go-to takeout spot or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile, you're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. At Troncali Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, we treat you like one of our own. With the friends and family advantage, you'll get no-hassle upfront pricing every time and upfront trade-in value. We'll even purchase your car if you buy elsewhere. When you need to service, we have convenient hours, genuine Mopar parts, and factory-trained technicians. And as an award-winning dealership, you'll always have a satisfying experience. So visit Troncali Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram on Highway 9 in Cumming and online at troncalijeep.com. Tap the banner for details.